This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, July 31st. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Norwood Fire fully contained. At annual forum, a cascade of watershed issues. G is for government previews Telluride Town Council and a mountain weather forecast. The Thunder Fire in Norwood is fully contained. On Sunday, San Miguel County Sheriff officials announced the fire was 100% contained, with crews continuing to mop up the area. That means managing hot spots within the fire zone. Officials note rain over the weekend assisted with suppressing the fire. The Thunder Fire caught on Thursday afternoon the result of a lightning strike. A number of Norwood residents were put in a pre-evacuation status, but no structures were threatened. In total, the fire burned approximately 10 acres of pinyon pine, ponderosa, juniper, and oak brush. The road barricades have been lifted and thunder trails are open for recreation. However, officials encourage individuals to avoid the fire area as responders continue to work. Officials note there may be smoke visible in the area for several days. Meanwhile, the low-line fire north of Gunnison remains. The fire, also started by a lightning strike, is currently burning over 1,300 acres. The fire is 15% contained. The Bureau of Land Management has temporarily closed all public lands in the Gunnison Field Office. There are evacuation orders in effect for several neighborhoods in the area. After a COVID-era hiatus, the San Miguel Watershed Coalition's annual Watershed Forum has returned. The event brings together ranchers, water experts, dam managers, county commissioners, recreationalists, and others from across the San Miguel Watershed for a day of discussing and learning. KOTO's Gavin McGough was at the forum and has this report. Moisture was scarce on Wright's Mesa last Friday morning. The sun had risen and temperatures were climbing in pursuit above the dry yellow fields outlying Norwood. But inside the Lone Cone Library, the discussion centered on water. It was the 2023 San Miguel Watershed Forum, a day of discussions and presentations on the river, which binds together the communities and livelihoods of our region's east and west ends. The San Miguel Watershed Coalition puts on the event and is celebrating its 25th year. Linda Luther Broderick, who was instrumental in the early days of the coalition's formation, opened the forum by going back into the history. It was the 1990s, a time of development in Telluride. As the ski area was expanding, development plans for the valley floor had been unveiled. And, says Broderick, uh, The mountain village was becoming a reality. So a lot was going on, and the Telluride Institute started asking questions like, how much water is there, and where is the water, and who owns the water? And at that time, the public was not very water aware. Those initial questions of the Telluride Institute resulted in the publication of a pamphlet in the local paper. Titled The Citizen's Guide to the Upper San Miguel River, the guide spurred a conversation. Through the 90s, that conversation grew. And part of the origin story that we like to tell for years after that had to do with a meeting in the peaks in, during a spring snowstorm when 50 or 60 or 40 people from all over the basin traveled to the peaks um, to start a, a basin-wide conversation. 
Many who attended that fateful meeting continue to work together on a river management plan, which was completed in 1998. At that point, the coalition was formed to carry out the plan. And ever since, it's been charged with protecting the river, its water, and the communities that thrive along its banks. Concerns around water use development in the capacity of the county's east end to continue growing spurred the creation of the coalition back in the day. Many of those concerns around development and growth are newly relevant now. But speaking after her presentation, Luther Broderick says today's picture has gotten only more complex. The problems now are almost existential. And and it's not just the housing, uh, which is a huge problem, but it's the capacity and it's climate change and it's water and it's the upper basin con- compact. So those are those are much bigger than than I can address. Nevertheless, many conversations and presenters at the forum made a crack at the tough nut of water issues in today's West. Topics covered agriculture, history, water rights, and how state-level negotiations could affect the San Miguel Basin and its water resources. In one presentation, Becky Bollinger, a state climatologist, took stock of last year's historic snowpack and looked towards the coming seasons. So it is very likely, um, almost a certainty, that the El Nino that we are currently experiencing is going to continue through the fall, through the winter, and into the spring. Despite the dry July, Bollinger predicts the El Nino will cause a return of moisture in the fall, if not sooner. Jackie Corday, a river expert, presented on a method of wetland restoration taking hold in the West, which looks to reinvigorate swamplands through natural interventions. So, um, Adrian mentioned process-based restoration, and that was um, what was changing over these past decades. During a brief break for lunch amidst the hubbub of the day, Executive Director of the Watershed Coalition, Adrian Berger, says the forum is a time to bring all the stakeholders together for a conversation. Taking stock of the room, Berger notes interest in water issues continues to grow. And he says, It'd be great if more public came out. I think a lot of folks are really interested in watershed and especially Colorado River issues right now. But uh, we have a lot of the water players for the watershed in the room, which is great. Um, And yeah, come join us next year. The Watershed Forum takes place annually in Norwood. And if you can't wait another year, visit SanMiguelWatershed.org to learn more about the coalition and the issues facing our river today. Telluride Town Council is meeting on Tuesday with short-term rentals sitting front and center. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for being here for another installment of G is for Government. I wouldn't miss it. So... Town Council is back on Tuesday, tomorrow, um, and the whole morning is spent on short-term rentals. What's going to be happening? 
Well, um, we are now at the phase in our review of the short-term rental data where we're going to be um, hearing a presentation from EPS, which is the data analysts that we hired to do a short-term rental study and lead us through a community discussion are going to present to town council tomorrow for the first time. Uh, last week, they held numerous uh, data work session, town hall style um, events at the at the AHA upstairs, as well as stakeholder meetings where they collected feedback from different groups um, within the town. And yeah, we've been, we've had this uh, cap and suspension of issuance of new short-term rental licenses in place uh, two years in November, and it expires in November. And so town council commissioned this study so that we as a community can look at some hard data um, discuss with the community what's changed, what hasn't since COVID, what what we think is going to be the best road forward for the economy, for the locals, um, for property owners, what's the best thing we can do uh, to regulate STRs for the most amount of people. Got it. And that is the entirety of the morning. That's one work session that will take you up through lunch. Um, what do you have going on once y'all come back from eating some food? In the afternoon, um, we are going to be hearing first reading of an ordinance of some land use code amendments recommended to us by Hark and PNZ having to do with basements and steep lots. Um, some people may recall that we uh, suspended taking a building permit applications for certain kinds of lots that are up on the hillside. Uh, and we now have, uh, after many much discussion from our boards and commissions, they're going to be recommending some land use code changes. Um, the same can be said for uh, old ballot 300, not talking about short-term rentals, but lot line vacations. Um, and there are going to be some recommended changes for that those zoning codes as well. Uh, after that, we are going to be considering a recommendation from the uh, planning department to hire a data an analysis uh, company to uh, enter into an agreement and come up with a study uh, and a recommended employee generation rate for remodels um, in town. This is basically uh, the concept that uh, we currently already have for new construction where when development happens in the town of Telluride, we have a formula that dictates uh, based on the square footage built, how many employees were created by building that new building. Uh, and then we charge an employee generation fee. It's one of the main ways that the town collects money to build affordable housing. Um, we are hiring this firm to examine what kind of employee employee generation fees we can charge for remodels. So, so not necessarily new construction, but remodeled kids kitchens, interior redesigns. We've seen a lot of construction in that category going on that doesn't add square footage to the building, but is certainly using employees and creating uh, workers in the community. That's a number of things happening kind of in, in shorter segments throughout the afternoon. Geneva, is there anything else that you think that listeners might be interested in going on at town council tomorrow? Um, I think maybe everybody should always try and tune in in the afternoon to the manager's report uh, where we get to hear about sales tax, um, real estate transfer tax, sort of how what the economic temperature of the town is. Um, 
as well as anybody who's interested in running for town council. We are still we're, we're starting to have informational sessions through the clerk's department or you can find information online in the elections category at the town of Telluride website that has information on how to get your name on the ballot, um, how to do campaign finance reporting, uh, what is expected of town council members, all of that sort of thing. Uh, we have two spaces available on council and a space for the mayor. So um, encouraging everyone to get involved and run and look forward to a healthy campaign season. Perfect. Geneva, thanks so much for coming in for Jesus for Government. Thanks for having me. Telluride's next housing venture is becoming more clear. This week, the town of Telluride, in partnership with Servitas LLC, is hosting a community outreach event about the public-private partnership taking place for the Canyonlands Tower House Affordable Housing Project. The event will share more information on the site, the community's housing needs, and offer a space to provide input on the project. The Canyonlands Tower House Info Night will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library on Thursday, August 3rd at 5.30 p.m. Taking a trip to Norwood or Rico? August is the month to do it. The San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation is giving free rides on all its routes for the month of August. SMART is partnering with the state in a zero fare for better air campaign. The program is supported by a grant from the Colorado Energy Office. For the month of August, SMART will provide free service to Norwood, Nucla, Natarita, Rico, and Down Valley. Routes to Lawson Hill and Mountain Village will, of course, remain free. Colorado renters will be getting some new protection soon. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports two new renters' rights laws passed this year will go into effect on August 7th. One of the new state laws restricts landlords from asking tenants about certain information like credit history unless required to do so by federal law. Landlords won't be able to require that tenants' income is more than 200 percent of annual rent either, and security deposits will be capped at the equivalent of two months' rent. The other law prohibits certain provisions in rental agreements. It won't allow landlords to ask for fees if a tenant fails to give advance notice that they aren't renewing their lease. It will also block evictions over unpaid fees that aren't part of a tenant's rent. The law does not apply to rental agreements for mobile homes. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. The family of a student killed in the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida in 2018 is on a national tour. They're raising awareness about the impact of gun violence on families and communities. Last week, they came through Colorado, where they visited several mass shooting sites, including King Supers in Boulder, Columbine, and Aurora. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Maeve Conran reports. A converted yellow school bus pulled into the parking lot of King Supers at Table Mesa in Boulder, emblazoned with messages like Stop Gun Violence and Save Lives. On board, the family of one of the 17 people killed in Parkland, Florida. My name is Manuel Oliver and I am Joaquin Oliver's dad. I, I lost my son during the Parkland shooting almost six years ago. They've come to meet family members of those killed two years ago here at King Supers. It's a legit um, exchange of support. I mean, I'm not 
I'm not a journalist. I'm not a. We're not a rock band on tour. We're not politicians on campaign. We're just. We know what it feels. Um, and I know that when we have some conversations with these parents, uh, we feel each other and we support each other. We feel better. Patricia Oliver, Joaquin's mother, placed a rock in the memorial garden beside the parking lot at King Supers to honour the 10 who were murdered on March 22nd, 2021. Well, the rock is a symbol of remembrance. It's a symbol that we know we are Parkland. And these rocks were made for a group of women from Parkland. And we all remember everybody that is going through this situation. So every time I place a, a, a rock, it means that, you know, that there is a group behind that cares about the issue. And I think that's important to, to bring love and to bring remembrance because sometimes many, many, many survivors feel left apart. And we are willing to respect, to pay respect to every single memorial that we're going to be seeing during the way, because everybody deserves that moment. While the Oliver family is bringing a message of support and solidarity to communities touched by gun violence, Manuel Oliver says he wants their message to resonate with communities who have not lived through such a tragedy yet. We are, we are warning you and we're giving you details that I never got from anyone. I wish I had gotten this message before so I could do something and be strong before a tragedy that will just make me strong because I'm fighting the fact that I'm not strong at all. The Guac's magical tour, a nod to Joaquin's nickname, will stop in 27 communities, all touched by gun violence, culminating with a caravan of 23 buses going to Washington, D.C. later this summer. Joaquin Oliver would have turned 23 on August 4th. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Maeve Conran. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight, with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 45 degrees. Tuesday calls for showers and thunderstorms with a high in the mid-70s during the day and a low in the mid-40s at night. Wednesday, there's a 90% chance of showers with a high around 75 degrees. Wednesday night, there's a chance of showers with partly cloudy skies and a low around 45. This has been the news for Monday, July 31st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Join us on Wednesday night as another spectacular sunset lights up the Wilson Range and music fills the air of the Sunset Plaza in Mountain Village. The Sunset Music Series in its 23rd season is one of the region's great summer traditions. This Wednesday, Lindsay Lou comes to the Mountain Village and you may have seen her in Town Park performing at the Telluride Bluegrass Festival. Telluride loves its bluegrass music and will be sure to draw a great crowd. Lindsay's style intertwines bluegrass with progressive Americana and folk. Her talents are so infectious and lead to her playing with numerous other musicians like Billy Strings, Jerry Douglas, and Telluride's own Kitchen Dwellers. Attendance is free of charge. Dine-in and to-go meals are available for purchase from many Mountain Village restaurants. 
Alcoholic beverages purchased from Mountain Village restaurants can also be enjoyed in the common consumption area. Show begins at 6 p.m. on the lawn near Lift One in the Sunset Plaza of Mountain Village and we're held rain or shine. Presented by TMVOA and supporting sponsors. Check the full lineup at sunsetmusicseries.com and connect with the Sunset Music Series on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you up there. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.